Hello and welcome to another edition of the Aces Loaded Podcast. So glad you're with us. Here we are in mid-April and still longing for baseball, but that is why we're here for you on Aces Loaded. My name is Zach Bayrudi. I am the play-by-play broadcaster for the Aces. Uh, the caveat being once we actually get going again, uh, mentioned last week, have not called my first game, but I am looking forward to the day where I do. Uh, I am going to be joined today by Vince Rafino. He was our co-host on episode one. Vince produced our uh, podcast last week with Jake Trubolsky. Great to have Vince back with us. Vince, how are you doing, my friend? Being in there. We're in week six of quarantine, so uh, just trying to get through the days without sports, especially baseball. Um, I think the last dance helped a little bit this weekend, but uh, we're hanging in there, Zach. The last dance was a great... Uh, documentary that's going to be is it 10 parts on ESPN about the the Bulls dynasty yeah it's about the last season of the Bulls dynasty and Michael Jordan it's a 10-part series but they're actually releasing two episodes a Sunday so it's a five Mm -hmm. event Um, so we have four four Sundays to go I could have watched all 10 on Sunday like they could have just kept rolling they wouldn't have lost me they could have ran it till 3 a.m I would have been yep yep I think I watched uh, I watched episode one got into episode two about halfway and then uh, my wife came in the room and she kind of wanted to start on episode one. I was like, cool, like I'll, I'll run it back, you know? So we, we watched yeah. episode one and then finished episode two and it was fascinating. Um, did you, what did you think of Jerry Krause? I mean, so one, as a short person, it really like, he gives us a bad name. Like, come on, dude. Like it's, we're we challenged. It's okay. Like we can be okay in our own skin. Um, so I felt a little, <laughs> felt that a little bit personally. Um, but, uh, I think, you know, he drafted Rodman, he made the trade to get Dennis Rodman. Um, but I think, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to be kind of crazy to break up a team that's won six championships, um, with a, with a coach that's able to control all of those different, uh, those egos and, and those different kinds of players. So it, that's a bold move. I, I don't know if I would have done it. So here's my take. And I think there, there's certainly some character flaws, with Jerry Krause, who, who was the GM of the Bulls at the time, if you're not familiar uh, with, with Jerry Krause. But there were some character flaws for him, but also for everybody else in that situation. So I have a Jerry Krause story. So this is like maybe six, six years ago now. I mean, this is going way back, maybe even seven, eight years ago. Uh, we were at the ballpark in Stockton. It was a Stockton Ports game. And we are in a rain delay. And, you know, in the rain delay, a lot of scouts come up to the, the press box because it's just, you know, a way for them to get out of the rain and just kind of shoot the breeze with each other. And I noticed this guy and I'm like, that's Jerry Krause. So, you know, the former GM of the Bulls and he's there with the scouts. So I went up to him and I was like, hi, I was like, are you Jerry Krause? He was like, yeah, yeah, nice to meet you. Uh, I was like, well, what, like, what the hell are you doing here? Like, you're the basketball GM, you know? And he's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm a baseball scout now. So he does have a baseball background, and the documentary points that out. Uh, but he was uh, working for the Diamondbacks, I believe it was, as a scout. So, and I could be mistaken, but I want to say it was for the D-backs. He's passed away now. Uh, but he could not have been more gracious. And, like, he sat in the booth. Well, I didn't interview him. I just wanted to, to shoot the breeze with him. And me and I forget who the visiting broadcaster was. He just told us stories of those Bulls teams from the, the late 80s and into the 90s with that dynasty that were just off the charts. Really nice guy. Um, so I felt bad that the documentary kind of portrayed him in that way. Um, I also kind of, and we're getting off the rails here talking about the Bulls, but my, my take is Pippen should have had surgery in the summer going into well, yeah, the, I mean, the 98 season. I mean, that was like, come on, like, that's not Jerry Krause's fault that Pippen signed that contract. 
And also for more context, if anybody, Reinsdorf, the owner of the Bulls and of the Chicago White Sox, you know that he's not a guy that renegotiates contracts. So, so Krause's hands were tied. And if you know anything about Reinsdorf, like he is super loyal, almost to a fault, but like he'll never overpay and he'll never renegotiate a contract while it's still in play. So, and he even said that Reinsdorf even said that. So I feel like Jerry Krause got, got kind of a, a bad name in that documentary, me personally. No, I think that's fair. I think there's all different angles. I think you said it best there. Everyone kind of had a fault. Um, and, and so everyone's ego kind of got in the way there. And, and kind of contributed to things. So I think, yeah, um, you know, the portrayal was kind of rough on him, especially like it's easy to, to make him look like the bad guy when he's not around to defend himself too. And, and that was the kind of the missing piece I felt, felt in the doc is watching this is you got everyone else's story and everyone's pointing the finger at the one guy that can't. Mm-hmm. Well, no, like this is actually what was happening or I was hearing this from the owner and tell his side of the story. Um, so I think that is a, I think that's a fair critique and like a fair point um, to be made about the doc, but overall just phenomenal and much needed during these times. How about the power move by Jordan to be interviewed with a fat scotch and a cigar, like right there in his, in his, in his like castle, wherever he was like, that was, that's what I expected to be the backdrop for Jordan for that interview. <laughs> I've been telling people like for people in my generation, I'm 28 uh, really, we caught Jordan in, on the Wizards. Like, uh, he really, you know, when I was four or five, was in his prime or winning all those championships. This is like, you hear the legend of Jordan from the people a little bit older, your parents. This is like my, my first real exposure to Michael Jordan, not outside of the legend, but like direct exposure to who he is and like how the myth came to be. And so for me, I, I'm finding that one of the most intriguing parts is like, it's actually bringing a myth and a legend um, to our to a new generation of people that like I know for me I, I've always wanted something like this there's never been this kind of doc about the the, the bulls in this capacity so um for me I've always been starved to know more about like MJ through the documentary form and, and and to see the highlights and understand what the the era was like and things of that nature too so I think it's a great it's great from that perspective too because there's a whole mess of people that um hear about Michael Jordan but don't like we don't really he's kind of on the peripheral um and we've all kind of grown up with LeBron owning the league. Um, and I still think MJ is the greatest basketball player of all time. But, um, you know, that's where the, the LeBron argument comes from, right? Is the people is like people my age haven't been exposed in the way that we know LeBron. Yeah. So I, I just turned 37. So I grew up with MJ and he, he was the guy. Like I grew up in the height of his popularity. But even still, and even having watched him in that, there was always that, that cloak of mystery on surrounding Jordan. Like he never gave like the super in-depth interviews. He was never a, a, a cultural, uh, he was a cultural icon. He was never a, uh, what's the, the phrase I'm looking for? Like he never hit on the hot button issues of the time. Like LeBron does, like he never kind of tackled those. And I, I, I don't ever fault anybody for not wanting to do that. If, if that was why he didn't, but you just never got to know him in an, in the intimate way that we've gotten to know LeBron. So for me, that's why this interview is so fascinating because it's the first time that I think we've seen Jordan maybe be a little bit vulnerable. Like when they had him read the letter that he sent home to his mom, like that was such a tender moment and you never see something like that with, with Jordan on camera. So that was in and of itself a, a great moment and something we've never seen in Jordan. Yeah, there was a lot of those moments. And for me, um, 
you know, in a position as a manager here with the Aces, I'm always looking at different leadership styles and trying to kind of find my voice and find my way as I'm a developing um, young person in the industry. And so, uh, you know, us in the industry, we look up to the athletes, you know, just like a player on the team would in a different way, not what they do on the field and how they prepare, but how do they lead? How do they um, become part of a team? Because working with a team in a front office is the same as working in a clubhouse. It's just uh, your, your objectives are a little bit different and how you get there are different. So hearing the candid um, uh, shots of, of Jordan, one at practice, like how he was demanding of his teammates and then hearing him talk about it and his perspective on that, for me, like that's the best kind of brain fruit I can get right now is like learning from that and trying to develop uh, my own kind of style is like, one of the main things that I'm most excited about. I know everyone can pull out their own different stuff too. And we could probably talk for an hour of the different lessons you can learn probably from these guys. But uh, that's one that really sticks out to me. And I think I'm like really hungry to, to sink my teeth into and see more as this doc goes on of how that develops throughout their season and how it was over the dynasty. Uh, let's, I want to do, I do want to talk about ACEs stuff. So I want to ask you how, <laughs> I know we got, we got, we got on the last dance here, but it's a heck of a documentary, by the way, on ESPN on, on Sundays has been said, um, how, how's everything up there in Reno and, and how are the, uh, the community partners doing? I know we're going to talk with Jeff and Sheila Wood, uh, our season ticket holders who, who help make the masks uh, for the hospitals and raise a bunch of money. Uh, you know, we talked with rounds bakery, uh, or talked about rounds bakery last week, what they were doing. So how's everything up there? You're, you're obviously in that, area and I am not so I defer to you <laughs> yeah so I mean first and foremost I want to say thank you to our fans who have been incredible uh last week we went on sale like you mentioned before with those protective masks made from aces jerseys uh season ticket holders took up took it upon them uh to sew the masks we had 190 masks we sold out uh in about two to three hours with all of the proceeds going to uh, to all the local hospitals uh, and medical care centers. 100% uh, of the proceeds go directly to them. So first and foremost, the response from ACEs fans, um, incredible. And, and thank you for, for showing that. It, it, it blew us away. It blew me away. I, I was so proud um, on that day. And on that note, we have more masks coming. Um, so coming up, um, you know, uh, the weekend of April uh, 24th, 25th, we're probably going to roll some out there. Um, and then hopefully over the next couple of weeks, we'll have those too. So we're working hard on using ACEs jerseys um, to get masks for people and then donating the funds back to healthcare. That's a major, major priority for us. Um, we've also been talking with uh, one of our major sponsors, Greater Nevada Credit Union, about uh, getting the word out about local business um, assistance being provided by the federal government. Um, so we should have a webpage up soon, if not by the time this podcast comes out, talking about uh, how to... Um, Ask, uh, go to GNCU and request a small business loan to help offset your uh, your payroll during this time. There's six, eight-month options, all kinds of different things, and a lot of local Nevadans haven't been taking advantage of that program. Um, so we're working with GNCU to get the message out there, um, and hopefully everyone who needs assistance can get assistance because the window to get that assistance is really small, and you need to be quick on it. Um, so for us, trying to get the, the, that out there and understand those programs so that we could pass those along to our fans has been um, a really big priority for us, uh, you know, um, with, with the outbreak and what's going on right now in our community. It's amazing how this has educated us all on, on the, uh, the need to stay plugged into your community and how critical it is when you have situations where people need aid and, and can't get it or people need masks and are having a hard time getting them. And 
people need X, Y, and Z, you know, I mean, food, the greater Nevada food, food bank of Northern Nevada, you know, we talked to them. Um, and without, without staying plugged into your community, you're really going to have a hard time when situations like these arise, God willing, they don't arise this severe that often. But, uh, I think you guys in the front office have set an amazing example on what that means to, to boost the community platform and keep people plugged into each other in this time. Because without that, I think there are so many people that would be lost. Yeah, I mean, we're trying everything that we can. We have great partners, too, that are very involved in the community and care about this community. Um, you'll hear Ryan in the interview a little bit later in the pod kind of talk about how much Reno loves uh, Reno. And, and it's true. Um, and so uh, we see that every day with the partners that we're working with. And so um, our attitude has been, you know, ears open, arms open. What can we do to help um, in, in what capacity? whether that be getting just information out through our channels, because we do have a good amount of followers in the local market that uh, pay attention to our message. And so whether we can use our message to, to get that important, important information out there, um, to get more mass in the community. So if you have to go grocery shopping or you have to get something essential and you have to go out, you feel a lot safer um, and you're able to do that in an affordable way while also giving back to the community and recycling ACEs jerseys. So we're trying to do uh, you know, as much as we can um, to, to help out the community um, that's given us so much over the last 10 or 11 years that we've been here. Um, we know we'll be back soon. And when we'll be back soon, that's when we're going to ask for that uh, support to come back our way, that love um, and all of the energy that we're pouring into now. Uh, we know that Reno is going to come back and show it to us times a thousand. So everything that we do now is for, is for the community um, and we'll figure some, some things out from there. You mentioned we're going to have Ryan O'Flanagan on the podcast a little bit later. A really fun segment with Ryan O'Flanagan, who we were supposed to see on Saturday at Greater Nevada for Remo Sriracha Night. And for, for those who have not seen the, uh, the Reno tourism video that he put out a couple of years ago that, that kind of went viral, especially for folks in Reno. Hilarious. He's a great guy and a great guest. Uh, tell us how Remo Sriracha Night came about. Obviously, Ryan was a big a big influence in that he was the influence in that yeah yeah i mean the, the video is viral for itself a lot of people have seen it already uh, uh it's overly excited tourists does reno uh on youtube it's got millions of views um and uh initially for me when i first moved here that was like kind of the intro to, to moving here some of the people that lived here said you got to see this video um it really kind of shows reno's heart and charm in, in, in some areas of the city that uh, you know just make you laugh and so that was kind of one of the first things and always made me chuckle um, and so when it came to, to opening day planning last year, um, you know, obviously with that being part of the community, we thought it would be fun to have Ryan out to the stadium uh, to throw out a first pitch um, to celebrate opening day and help us celebrate launching a new season. Uh, and when he showed and when he was at the stadium, uh, the response was overwhelming uh, uh, on social media um, and then in the stadium itself uh, on social people were commenting. Um, his video posting that he was coming back on our Facebook was actually our best performing social media piece of content across all of our platforms the entire year. Home runs, stunts in the outfield. Ryan O'Flanagan is number one in Reno Aces hearts and minds uh, when it comes to, to having fun. So um, they showed up at the stadium, taking photos with him. Um, and so that was really the genesis of, of Ryan kind of having some success here in um, going into planning uh, the theme nights for, for what was going to be this season or what will be an upcoming season, um, we thought it'd be really fun to do something around the community again, um, but have some fun with it and, and take some chances. Um, and so right at the end of the video where he says Remo Sriracha, 
Um, and this community kind of latched onto it with, uh, you know, you can get, you see stickers. I see people with uh, hydro flask all the time that say have the Remo Sriracha sticker on there. Um, and so we just thought it'd be really fun to run with. Um, and so we thought, wouldn't it be fun if we wore Sriracha inspired, inspired jerseys um, and rebranded ourselves, had some different merch items, had Ryan out. And that's really where the ideas started flowing and the, uh, everything uh, kind of came from there. We didn't release publicly the, the jersey we had designed for Rima Sriracha Night, um, but I can tell you it looks like a, a Sriracha bottle, but with very Reno um, uh, changes to it. Um, so whenever we do have the night, um, it will be awesome to see, and, and we have some other really great stuff planned. I don't want to give too much away, but uh, we just thought it would be a great chance, like I said, for us to invite Ryan back, use our uh, creative uh, you know, juices to come up with something great and have something our fans can celebrate. Hey man, those comedians from Massachusetts—they are—they are big time. He talks about Dane Cook, obviously from Massachusetts. Bill Burr is another big one. Oh, I love Bill Burr. Yeah, one of my favorites. So he is—he is from Mass too, as as am I. So yeah. so we'll we'll have that that connection for sure. Uh, we'll we'll get him out there, and, it, and we'll get back to baseball and what we love soon enough. But for the time being, we are still unto ourselves and in quarantine. So we thought it would be fun to put together a top five list with Jake last week. It was the top five moments from greater Nevada field in 2019. Uh, Vince and I decided to do a little something different and go off the field this week uh, and, and maybe try and help you through your quarantine. <laughs> Although my, my list is going to be, I don't know if half of these are going to be available to you because I'm so old, but it's top five video games. And this is not of all time. This is our personal favorites. That's an important um, distinction. Yeah, our, these are our personal favorites. I will preface this by saying that when, like, when I got into my 30s, the gaming stopped a little bit. So the, I'm, I'm okay. dated. But I did love me some video games for a long time. So our I mean, list got to be different. <laughs> In quarantine, I'm still gaming. I, 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 I kind of continued it. In the last year or two, I've kind of fallen off. But now in, in quarantine, it's right back up. Okay. Okay. So how do you want to unveil these? Do you want to go down each one of our lists totally, or do you want to go one for one? I'd like to go one for one, starting with five, working our way to one. Okay. I'm going to give you the, uh, the starting point here. You could start. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, this is a good one and very topical, uh, for the podcast. And are we going in descending order from like, for, like you're going to end with your top of all? Yes. Top, top, top is number one. Okay. So for me, number five is a very specific video game and only very specific people will get this one. But I'm going MVP Baseball 2005 for the PS2. That game was the perfect baseball video game. You could play like a full nine-inning game in about 30 minutes, and all of the other features, the, the uh, franchise modes, all the game modes were so addicting. Like, so you could create your own stadium, your own team, run it, the whole franchise, and the games moved quickly. Um, Easily, easily spent the most hours of my youth playing MVP Baseball 2005 or 2004. Um, one of the two. I forgot which one it was. But um, the one problem with it, which you will argue isn't a problem, was that Manny Ramirez was on the cover. And it was right after the Red Sox won the World Series. And so uh, it was a painful, like the, the intro was all Red Sox, the, the hype video and stuff. It was so painful as a Yankee fan. On that game. Sorry about it. I got I'm it. really not sorry. Yeah, I, Tessie was like the main theme song from the Dropkick Murphys. It was like, oh, I remember that game. I do remember. I didn't play it a ton, but I, I do remember that intro. Yep. 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 Exactly. Um, yeah. Not, a nightmare season for a Yankee fan, but the game itself was phenomenal. Okay. I respect that. Uh, I'm going to counter with, and this is going to 
basically illustrate where we are in our generations. Uh, <laughs> RBI Baseball for Game Boy in 1987. I think it came out in, in – it was 87 the game came out, and there was a second edition that was early 90s. So maybe I'm referencing the second edition. But, I mean, as basic as basic could be, you could still – it was major league license. So you could play with, like, Frank Viola could – be one of your one of your pitchers you know like the Johnny's, have, let's go st john's yeah the Johnny's. <laughs> um but they like th that's part of the charm is you can go back and still if you can find it which i think they probably have an online version you could play with those rosters from the late 80s early 90s that'll just make you smile like they awesome. are fantastic and also a little a trick if you had the original game boy you hold down like if you're facing a right-handed hitter and you hold down the right arrow like at a diagonal with the down arrow i mean you yeah. could lighter that was untouchable so it's kind of like a cheat code but uh yeah I, that that resonates with me so that's my that number sounds five. awesome that's a good game boy is good I, I feel like there's some honorable mentions left to end at the end of the uh, at, at the okay. end, that just that just spurred one on for me um number four i have another very specific one and it's also to ps2 uh star wars battlefront 2 not the first one but star wars battlefront 2 for um the PlayStation 2, I spent a lot of time with a lot of friends playing that game. There was campaign modes. Uh, it was like one of the first Star Wars games I had that you could play as a, uh, as like Yoda or Darth Vader and you had a lightsaber and stuff. Um, it was super fun. Um, and uh, it was a lot of fun to play, like I said, with like sleepovers or with your buddies. Um, so Star Wars Battlefront 2. A lot of people sleep on that one. Okay. And I'm not a big first person shooter guy. And that's the thing. That one really got me. First person shooter, meaning that you like you're from your point of view, you're you're the shooter. Okay. Yeah, you could do point of view, or you could also have the camera behind the character. Okay, uh, I am going to go with NCAA football 2005 for PS2, <laughs> and that is the uh, that is the game. When I first moved to California, I lived in a house, and I think Jake and I talked about this last week on the pod, where you're with a bunch of dudes. Uh, it was me and my, my buddy Derek who worked for the Stockton Ports at the time. I mean, we had no money. We had literally nothing except his PS2, like this game and a TV that was borrowed from someone that we, we rigged the PS2 to work with the TV. And we, for hours, would play. Uh, his team was Notre Dame, and USC was awesome at that time. So I was always USC. And, like, every time to this day I hear the USC uh, Trojans fight yeah. song, I go back to that game. And, you know, Matt Leinard and Reggie Bush and those guys, it was uh, – it was, it was a lifesaver for us back in, in 2005. <laughs> I remember that game. I remember that game. That game was awesome. So I can back you up on that one. The NCAA okay. pretty consistently have had good ones. The NCAA basketball ones I also liked a lot. Uh, they didn't, neither of them make my, did not make my list. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, a lot of those sports games, you have to remember, like, are very specific, too. Like, a lot of people um, like to play the, the shooter, the adventure games. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I've always leaned on the sports games, too, um, but I tried to mix mine up a little bit with my top five. All right, so what's number three? So number three is outside of sports, and it's a classic. It's Smash Brothers. I mean, there is nothing more fun than playing Mario Smash Brothers. Did you just shake your head? I don't know. I have no idea. You've never played Super Mario Smash Brothers? No. For, like, Nintendo GameCube? No. Have you heard of it? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> I told you. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to say to you. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what to say. I primed you that I was, I was video game ignorant. I primed you for it. You can't be shocked. 
You were able to remember everything baseball 2005 with Super Mario Smash <laughs> I had my games, and I, I literally stuck with my games. These are the only games I would play. I never branched out. So now that I'm in a world that I never thought I'd live in, uh, trying to explain what Super Mario Smash Brothers is, it was a Please. game Nintendo, uh, where you could play as uh, characters from the Nintendo world. So obviously Mario, Luigi, Samus, uh, Link, all these ones. And basically uh, you and your friends, there's all these different items you could throw at each other and you're just trying to knock, basically on its char- uh, base level, you're trying to knock the other character off of it, off of the platform to lose the life. But you know, you're fighting and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. It's hard to, man, it's hard to describe. I can't believe you've never, my mind's blown. I'll check it out. I bet there's an online <laughs> version now. I'll check it out. But I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel stupid in any way. Cause I, I told you like, this was, this was not my world. Um, by the way, we are, we, we had the parents that didn't allow us to get a game console when we were kids. Like they wanted us to read and go outside and play. So I, I had to, survive off of my friends video game consoles for for the better part of my youth mine eventually caved i think late in uh, like around seventh or eighth grade but we're much the same for the mo- most of my uh, my childhood so so this takes me into my number three because i played it at my buddy mike's house when i was growing up when we were 10 years old and it was uh nhl 94 for sega genesis yes had that game Yes, had a Sega Genesis. So this is this is the game, and I can't believe this is oh, unplanned. So but this is our second reference to to the movie Swingers in this podcast. Well, this is the first <laughs> of two, but this is the game they were playing on Swingers on the movie Swingers when the food came to the door, and they were playing uh, NHL '94 on Sega Genesis, and it still brings me back. So that's my that, num- that's my number. That's two. a great game. I can I can back that up. And the Hartford Whalers were in that game. Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, being a nutmeg stater. Uh, All right, number two. I think you'll even know my number two. And if you don't, then I got nothing for you. Pac-Man. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just just a good one. Play that, Pac-Man, anytime with anyone. Could be with a group, be by yourself, could be at an arcade. Doesn't matter. Pac-Man. Love it. Love it. My number two is NHL 2K10. Uh, That was the 2K sports game, which most people played the EA sports version of, uh, of NHL. Man, you got a chow, bro. My bus, what's, what's that? You got a chow. It's called chow now. Chow? Yeah, you play chow. Like NHL? Chow. Oh, is that, is that how the kids are saying it now? That's, that's yeah, I'm, I'm trying to bring you up to speed. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, this is, well, that was, yeah. Now I'm old. I'm not editing this out. <laughs> no, don't. Don't. I'm, I'm, I am authentic. If I am, if I am nothing, I'm authentic. And you'll learn that about me. But yeah, NHL 2K10 uh, for 2K Sports. They, they stopped making that uh, 2K NHL game after 2K10, but my best friend and I, uh, would, who lived in Sacramento, like, we would play this hours on end. Hours was that the ESPN was... one? No, this was uh, 2K Sports. Did it have like the ESPN interface, though? I'm trying no. to because I remember playing, okay, I played one that was like the ESPN version of a hockey video game. Yeah, no, this was uh, this was 2K. This is 2K, but spent hours playing it. Great interface. I was I got really good at it. That was like the most uh, that was the most up to date video game that I have been addicted to. 2010 NHL 2K10. Okay, wow. So that was was that was our number two, right? So what's your number, number one? Number two. So number one. Now I don't, now I'm worried you're not going to know my number one. My number one is Super Mario Kart. Okay, I know this. My, my wife is a Mario Kart player. I, I'm not going to lie. During quarantine, She's a little younger than me. I've been karting a lot. 
God bless. Like, what? I mean, there's no this is a judgment free zone. You could be doing any. You could play with a girlfriend. You could play it with friends. Like, it, it, know, it knows no ages. Like, I remember I used to play with my sisters when I was in college. I would come home and we'd all be able to play Super Mario Kart just because it's so innocent, addicting, and fun. Like, you could just, you'll, you could play for hours just doing the same course. Because it's so much, yeah. everything, it's different every time. Okay. I very much respect that. Yes. So can I play, can I play it? Can I overlay some music as I introduce my number one? Sure. Let's see, let's see if you can go there with me. I mean, this is, this was where it was in this game. Like this was my favorite level in this game. Is oh, now I get, now I get to make you look like a fan. It's not Super Mario, is it? Is it? This okay. Is the underwater level of the original Super Mario Brothers. Got it. Okay. I play a lot of but, adventure games, so that's why you got me here. But I'm going to tell you a little something about myself, Vince. Like, there are times where I will, I will catch myself humming that song. <laughs> that random. For whatever reason, the, the, the music for the underwater level of Super Mario Brothers which I hadn't played in a long stuck with me my entire life. So my number it. one is Super Mario Brothers because played that hours on it. How about that, right? Super Mario at the top of both lists. Like, it's just, you can't beat it. What is old is new again, right? <laughs> it's always the way it goes. Um, honorable, honorable mentions. I got a couple. Um, I think that the Maddens, any Madden, yeah, Madden didn't make the list. What a surprise! Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's an honorable mention. Um, I, I think like NHL, like you were saying, um, the NCAA, NCAA basketball or football, and then FIFA's were really close for me because FIFA's like I don't play a lot on my own, but they're always a great community game to play with like your buddies. On a, mm -hmm. remember in college, that was a big thing on Friday nights in the summer, like or Saturday nights hanging out and playing just a bunch of FIFA. <laughs> so my honorable mentions would be Tetris. And yeah. uh, and Wolfenstein. Hmm? Did you ever play Wolfenstein? I don't even know what that is. Really? No. Oh, I thought that was pretty common. It was on the it was on the computer. It wasn't on a on a console, but it was on the uh, on the computer. And you were it was like a point of view type situation where you were hunting Nazis in this German castle. Oh. Okay. Yeah, but you had all, there were all kinds of secret little nooks and crannies in the game. Like there were secret doors that you could find. And if you became more familiar with the game, like you knew where to get like all the good ammo and the upgrade and weapons. And when we were kids, that was, that was all, <laughs> all we did. So those are my honorable mentions. On the Sega Genesis front, did you ever play Sonic the Hedgehog 2? That game was awesome. No, I, pl I played the original. And if, it wasn't, if I wasn't playing the original Sonic, I was playing NHL 94. Okay. okay. Over and over again. <laughs> So, solid list. Yeah, solid list. And maybe, you know, maybe you can find these games still. I know if you wanted, you can, you could do a Google search for Super Mario Brothers. You could play it online. Like That's awesome. Versions of it. So it's, it's a cool, fun way to, to maybe pass the time. Yeah. Uh, now, now, nowadays, it's just me playing MLB The Show on PS4. But yeah, you're, you've, up, you've upgraded. You yeah. upgraded. <laughs> you're probably going to get back into, was it, was it Smash Brothers? What was that uh, called? Yeah, Super Mario Smash Brothers or, uh, or Mario Kart. Yeah, yeah. Well, you get into, I'm sure the Smash Brothers thing is online now too. It's, <laughs> it's, it's old, right? I'm guessing it's older. I'm actually uh, borrowing a coworker's uh, Wii at the moment and he has uh, Smash Brothers and uh, 
uh, Mario Kart on uh, like on the discs that you just plug in and play. So I'm not they're available online. I know that uh, you can still play some of those games. They're they're a little more current, so they're still coming out. Okay. Well. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed the lists. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk with Jeff and Sheila Wood. They are amazing season ticket holders who've done an amazing thing. And they've inspired a lot of people in the community uh, with making masks out of Aces jerseys. We'll talk with Jeff and Sheila. And then later on, Ryan O'Flanagan, uh, up and coming. Uh, can we still call him up and coming? I mean, he's still like, he is definitely on the rise as oh, far yeah. as his, his career trajectory. I, like, I don't want to be. It was just on Will Dickey's new show. So, right. So I don't want to be insulting yeah. and say like, oh, he's up and coming because he is someone, you know, like he's already someone, but he's still trending to where he's, uh, he's reaching a pinnacle at some point soon. And hopefully we can help with that. But Ryan O'Flanagan, a tre tremendous comedian, the, uh, the inspiration for Remo Sriracha night. He'll be joining us uh, later on. And uh, Vince and I will be back to close it out after that. So this is the Aces Loaded podcast. And we're back after this. Celebrate the history of our national pastime at the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum in Cooperstown. See priceless treasures that will bring your baseball memories to life. Find stories that will inspire and surprise. Cooperstown is where you, your family, and your friends can relive baseball's greatest moments and honor the all-time greats of the game. See all that the Hall of Fame and Museum has to offer and plan your family visit today at BaseballHall.org. We are back on the Aces Loaded podcast, and we are joined by a couple of our favorite season ticket holders, Jeff and Sheila Wood, who were recently in the news for being kind of local heroes among us. They made masks, 190 protective masks, and in doing so, they raised money uh, that benefited six different local healthcare centers. And I want you to, to take us into the story of, of the making of the masks and, and start with the materials that you used, because it was really a unique thing that you guys did. Oh. I can start out by telling you the hardest part of the whole process. Eric Edelstein sent over a box of masks, or not masks, I'm sorry. He sent over a box of jerseys for us. Got those home, opened the box, and it was heartbreaking to know that we were gonna have to cut those brand new jerseys up. <laughs> that was really hard. Um, but just knowing that we were making them into something that was going to be useful and beneficial to so many people that helped ease the process a lot. Yeah. So you used ACEs jerseys and can you, can you take us kind of through the beginning of the idea that you had to do that and, and what it was like to work with Eric in, in actually procuring those jerseys? Well, the idea was Eric's, not ours. Eric came up with the idea and I think he was searching for somebody to help and we saw it and Sheila loves to sew. And uh, we just thought that'd be a great idea. Like I said, I was a fire captain. Sheila was a dispatcher and to be able to help the healthcare community um, yeah. just made it all great. 
Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you know, you being a retired fireman and, and Sheila, you were a retired dispatcher. How much do you empathize right now with first responders and, and the people that are on the front lines that are really being asked to, to be the buffer between the virus and everybody else? Our heart goes out to those people, the stress that they're under right now, and they're just amazing to us. Jeff, have you sewn much before? <laughs> she, she did sewing. I got to do the cutting out and sticking my fingers with needles huh? and do I, the ironing. <laughs> I told him when we decided to do this project that I was not going to be able to do it by myself, that he was going to have to help. And <laughs> jumped right in and whatever I needed he was right there like you said he did all the cutting and the pinning of the elastic onto him it was fun it wasn't bad. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure it was and especially since you knew what the what the cause was uh how did you map out actually cutting the jerseys what what did you how did, how did you figure out you know how to start cutting them up and and kind of what to do I'm, I'm sure there was a method to your madness I, have, I know nothing about arts and crafts and sewing I'm just going to lay it out there for you guys so this is an education for me well we went through a couple prototypes and we figured it out <laughs> but, um, actually I just ended up making a pattern out of cardboard and I just follow the cardboard pattern and try to get the most out of the jerseys so that we could. And uh, the first few were prototypes. And then <laughs> Didn't uh, quite work. we found out Sheila using a lot of her material on one side actually worked out better. So we used the jersey and some of her material we had here. What, uh, what jerseys did you use? Was it a collection of uh, kind of different jerseys or were they one jersey in particular? No, they were ones Eric sent their players' jerseys, but they were brand new. They've never been used. Still had um, tags on them. Still had tags <laughs> on them. So um, we didn't have to do the washing or anything, and it turned out pretty good. You know, we got yeah. out of them as we could. Uh, you guys got 190 masks out of them. Are you surprised with the quantity of, of masks that you were able to, to extract out of the jerseys? Yeah, we were yeah. all excited. First 50 we hit, we sent Eric a note. Then I said, we're gonna shoot for 100, Eric. And then I said, well, probably 150 would be more than enough. And we ended up, like I said, uh, more than that. And then them selling quick just made our day. I was gonna say, so take, take me through now. You, you know, you, you get the masks made. Uh, did you have to get them to Eric? And what was the process like as far as selling them and getting them out? Were you guys involved in that? Eric did, again, he stepped right up to it. He had, um, initially he had all the jerseys delivered to our house since we're quarantined or, you know, staying away from everybody, social distancing from sure. everybody. Um, he had the jerseys delivered. And then once we had them all done, we boxed them back up. And he had, I think it was Emily, had um, somebody come out to the house. We set them on the porch and they came out and picked them up. So, and then he kept in touch with us to tell us that they had been sold and how quickly they'd been sold. That was just phenomenal. <laughs> I, I know you guys do, didn't do this for the gratification of it, but what sense of gratification do you have now seeing what you guys, just two people who had a vision and executed it, were, were able to do for the community? Um, my hope is that everybody out there through all of this that's going on right now if everybody could step up and do just a little bit, it would help. 
um, us doing this, it really gave us a lot of satisfaction to know, you know, not only were we helping the people that are wearing the masks, but we're helping the hospital staff and the frontline people, hopefully with the um, money that was raised, and we're going to be able to help them. With your story, apparently others have stepped up now to offer it, Eric, to That's help right. out, which is just really cool. So yeah. I think step up and make quite a few masks, a lot of them, a lot more than we could. <laughs> It's, uh, it's amazing when someone steps up the chain reaction that can come of it with people being inspired by just, well, just one little idea. Um, are you guys doing well, by the way? I meant to ask you that right up, up front, but are you guys, I know you're saying you're quarantined, but are you doing well up there? We're doing great. We're doing yeah. great. We go out, our adventure out is about a four mile hike with our dogs each morning away from everybody. We just go up in the hills and yard work and we look forward to walking the dogs each day and baseball again. Someday. Yeah, yeah that, that sounds exactly like my life, except you add an Ace, the Aces Loaded podcast, and there aren't many hills here in, in uh, Central Valley, California. So it's, it's basically just a, a four-mile walk around the neighborhood with, with me and my dogs. But uh, I echo your sentiments about looking forward to baseball. I, I've never missed it so much, and I'm sure everybody is, is kind of in that same boat, uh, you know, talking with Jeff and Sheila Wood, two of our great season ticket holders. And I want to ask you, a little bit more about your connection to the aces you guys are season ticket holders what does having aces season tickets mean for you guys what does that do for you guys <laughs> that one <laughs> we've, we've been season ticket holders for 10 years and that's our main enjoyment um we're going and, and what we've seen in the 10 years the staff each year um eric and the whole staff it's so pleasurable to, they're all smiling when you get to the ballpark. Um, he's trying to help the fans. He's helped the community. It's not just, we like baseball, but the whole experience of going to the stadium, it just meant a lot to us. Do you guys have a favorite moment at the stadium by chance? I know oh. I'm putting you on the spot. And there, I, know, I know there's probably many, but is there one that stands out in your mind? A lot. Yeah, Ildemaro Vargas. He's our, one of our favorite players. Um, <laughs> He's our kid. <laughs> the part of minor league baseball, watching them go up to the majors, but the, there are players like him that are full energy, smiling all the time, welcoming us and the fans to the stadium. He's one that always says hi. When we were sitting, sitting there at the beginning of the game, he would always make sure he made a point of coming up and waving to us and Always throws hi. balls to the kids. Um, last year, he used to roll them on the dugout. One time, he tied a string to it. <laughs> And he'd throw it on the dugout, and the adults would go for it, and the would pull it back, and then he'd come out smiling. He, he just had so much fun. It's, it's fun to watch him and the games. I had a chance to watch him last year a little bit when I was filling in for Ryan Radke, and I'd, I'd echo your sentiments. He was an exciting player to watch and, and a fun guy to be around, and I love how he got him with the old uh, dugout string trick tied to the baseball. Um, you, you brought it up a little bit. I'm a newcomer. Uh, I will be a newcomer to Northern Nevada when I can finally get up there and, and, and be with the Aces. Uh, I spent some time up there last year, as I mentioned, filling in for Ryan, but I'm struck by the spirit of community in Northern Nevada. Can, can you two educate me on, on what that means? It just, it just feels like a community to us. We came we always lived, we had 15 acres, 100 miles from here. We always lived in little remote rural towns and we were nervous about coming to a city because we're not big city people. And now this has turned into 
feels like a community to, to us. Um, we see the people at the ball game. We sit with all the time. We actually see them on the off season too now. Um, so it's been kind of a family. Uh, Eric's always smiling as we get to the stadium. The staff are. The ushers are shaking our hand. Um, it's, it's just been a good experience to us. How excited are you guys to get back to the field, back oh. to Greater Nevada? I think I'm going to feel like a little kid going first game <laughs> looking for his first baseball when they open it up. So well, With all the improvements that they've said that they've done this year, we were, yeah, we were hoping to be able to see them. Oh. Well, we, we will eventually. And you know what's funny? What's funny, Jeff, is that you say that, and I've seen thousands of baseball games. I've called so many of them. But I'm going to feel that exact same way the first game back. It's going to be – literally like I'm a, I'm a kid in a candy store and going to my first game again because that's, I think that's how much I miss it, and I, I think I'm echoing your sentiments. Uh, where do you guys sit, by the way? I just want to educate myself on where your seats are. Um, we're lucky to have had seats in 106 right front row where the players walk out to bat. Right above the third the, base the dugout. dugout. So it's kind of fun. They see us there, and some of them, like I said, they wave. They welcome us to the games. Um, and we've, we've had those seats for almost the whole time. We started sharing tickets when we first started, and then we moved over where it's the bottom of Section 106. Well, when, when I can finally get up there, when we have baseball again, I want to seek you guys out. We'd love to have you on the radio for an inning, and, and you could share the story again because it inspires me, and I, it has inspired so many, and that's why we wanted to have you guys on today to, to talk about it on the podcast. Uh, Jeff and Sheila, I, I – I uh, hope you stay safe up there, and I can't wait to meet you in person. I know you were at the hot stove at, uh, at Silver Legacy. Uh, we missed each other in February, but I'm excited to catch up with you guys in person and, and get to know you. Well, welcome to Reno. It's a great community, a great ball game, um, place to go see a ball game, um, and we're just looking forward to seeing you. Hey, Amen. Like, likewise. Welcome <laughs> to the <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Thank you, thank you, and thank you again for all that you've done. Jeff and Sheila Wood are great season ticket holders, and we'll be back with more Aces Loaded after this. Fans, we need your help. Follow the Aces on social media and submit your questions for Zach using the hashtag Aces Loaded. You could hear your question answered on the next show. Thanks for listening. Back on the Aces Loaded podcast. So glad to be joined now by Ryan O'Flanagan. We like to, to bring a fun guest in every podcast if we can. And Ryan O'Flanagan is that guy this week. And unfortunately, he was supposed to be with us on Saturday for Remo Sriracha Night. We'll get into that uh, in a moment. But instead of uh, seeing him in person on Saturday, we're doing it through Zoom in this weird time. How you doing, man? Uh, I'd imagine... Uh, it's it's weird times for a stand-up comedian to be quarantined. I can't imagine. It is. It is, man. Yeah, no shows happening. There's some Zoom shows and stuff like that, some virtual shows. I've I've yet to do one of those, but I know a lot of my friends are doing them. I haven't I haven't been invited. I haven't been asked to what? do it. 
But even if I it was, I'd, I'd definitely be uh, hesitant. It seems kind of nightmarish, but I know people are doing them. Yeah, man, bummed out. Yeah, this weekend was supposed to be Remo Sriracha night. I'm bummed it didn't get to happen. Hopefully we can push it back to a later date. It's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I know you travel, you travel around the country a lot. So do I. So for me, I feel like extremely caged in right now. You know, I'm here and I, I'm home and with my wife and we have like animals and stuff, but I, it's not my usual life. Do you kind of feel that way? Yeah, it's been a whole lot of pacing around my apartment. I have my own place, which is cool. I was, I mean, I've had some, some horror roommates. You before. in LA? Lucky this, lucky this didn't happen during those days. When I was living with, like, I used to live with an 81-year-old man when I first moved to L.A. We used to share a bedroom. I mean, that, that was for a full it, year. You shared a bedroom with an 81-year-old man? Yeah, we both slept on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know anyone when I moved to L.A. I just found this guy on Craigslist, and uh, he was nice. He was a good guy, but it was just a very weird year, and I was thinking, man, what if this quarantine hit while I was living with Hal, you know, just, <laughs> just hanging out in the bedroom for two months straight? I guess I would have had to go home. But yeah, I mean, it could be worse. I'm hanging out here and trying to still like write jokes and stuff for whenever comedy does come back. I mean, I'm sure people will expect some little bit of quarantine material, but you know, not trying to beat, beat people over the head with it, but quite a few so, quarantine jokes every now and then. I can wrap my head around you, you know, moving to LA and being willing to do whatever it takes and sleep on a floor. But I, do I dare ask about the predicament of the 81 year old man that finds himself sleeping on the, on a floor at age 81? I mean, I never, I mean, looking back, it was so stupid. I never asked, you know, his age or background. His Craigslist address said, I'm from New York, living in LA, I live in West Hollywood. And it's like a pretty, really cheap rent to share this bedroom. And I remember just responding. I was like, hey, I'm in East, I'm from Massachusetts. I said, hey, East Coast, you know, maybe similar uh, mentalities, sentiments. Maybe I think we'd get along. And he was like, yeah, great. And he's, you know, he just like, come on over. And he paid the first month's rent, whatever. I drove across country and I remember just walking up uh, to his front door and he opened the door and it was just this straight up old man. And I, and he was a hoarder too, like full oh my gosh. Like floor to the ceiling TV show? boxes, floor to ceiling, but just like newspapers and old appliances and stuff around the entire apartment. And I just walked in and I started crying. Remember I started crying and I, and I had just gotten to LA and I called my mom. And I told her, I was like, mom, he's 81 and he's a hoarder. <laughs> and she just she just burst out laughing. She thought it was the funniest thing. She had no sympathy for me at all. She just loved that I got myself in that predicament. But it worked out. I lived there for a year and saved some money. And he was a cool guy. <laughs> all right. So so this is on me now. I didn't I didn't realize this. I should have looked this up. I'm from Massachusetts. So oh, really? where are you? Yeah, where are you from? I'm from a town's like an hour south of Boston. I'm Rhode Island line to a town called Seekonk. Yeah. Yeah. I'm from Worcester. Oh, you're from Worcester, right? Yeah. On. Yeah. You guys are about to get the uh, the paw socks to be the woo socks. The woo socks, Exa yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's the, the, the hat I wear the most is a paw socks hat. But wearing my aces hat today. I love, love that you're rocking the aces lid, man. Yeah, man. So it's it's funny that you mentioned driving cross country. So my journey was, you know, I got into baseball play by play, literally right out of college. I got offered a job out of nowhere in Stockton, California, which is kind of around where I live now. <laughs> um, and it's really funny now that I'm going to be working in Reno because my moment where I kind of broke down was driving cross country as a 20, 22 year old kid. Mm. And I, I was fine until my cousin and I got to Reno. And for some reason, Reno was just like, weirdly different than anything I was used to in, in Massachusetts. I went to school in Boston. Um, but it was just it's where it struck me. I, maybe it's because we went to to the nugget in Sparks, which is kind of a, a different kind of place. 
but I remember getting in the car and we were going to the home stretch to go to Stockton, California. And I was like, I'm so far from home and this is so weird. And it just hit me right then. It's not the 81 year old guy sleeping on a floor, but it's it's kind of funny how you have those moments. Reno, it can make you or it can break you, man. Yeah. So golden nugget. Yeah. Oh yeah. Where'd you go to school? You went to school Uh, Boston? Yeah. I went to Northeastern. Went oh, to right Northeastern oh, and uh, didn't didn't uh, didn't go to school for what I'm doing now. So it's just kind of funny how it, how it all works out and, and life comes at you fast. Sure. Um, I, I do want to talk about Reno and I want to talk about the, the 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 tourist video, the overly excited tourist video. You can find it on YouTube. I'm sure everybody has seen it by now. It's been a couple of years, but do you do you remember a, a favorite memory of uh, of Reno from that video? From that video, wow. Oh man, I, I did really like that gigantic bowling alley and Hall of Fame. Just walking in and being completely overwhelmed. I like the art park. I thought the art park was a lot of fun. Getting a lot of weird looks at that place because I was just like running around screaming, making a uh, yeah, an idiot of myself. But uh, yeah, it was probably too. And that river, which to this day, Truckee River, that, that raging river. Again, and I love how you got the stairs underwater too. Like what a what a serendipitous yeah. moment right there. <laughs> Again, during a pretty wild time apparently. Um. Remo Sriracha is what, what you said at the end of the video. And, and we were going to have the Remo Sriracha night on Saturday at the ballpark. It was going to be complete with a, a, a nightlight giveaway, I believe, a home nightlight giveaway. Um, I, I want to get it on, on record. Are you a Sriracha fan? Like, where did that come from? Honestly, not at all. I can't do anything spicy. <laughs> I just. I saw I a video, a, a Twitter video, you trying to eat something spicy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, was, it was pretty yeah, recent. There's a last for kind of hit you. I just can't breathe. But uh, yeah, I mean the Remo Sriracha. A lot of the, those those videos I would do, I would just it was a lot of uh, just mispronouncing things at first. You know, kind of in it, slightly silly ways that people sure. might mispronounce something. Then it just got way over the top where I was saying complete things that don't sound anything like the word. And I uh, got to the point where I was yeah saying like Ringo Cucaracha and Remo Sriracha. And for whatever reason, Remo Sriracha kind of stuck, and now it's become kind of a, a thing. A thing. Like a lot of merch that I'm not getting any money from <laughs> if you Google it. It's become a whole thing. Yeah, but I remember I did this show at uh, University of Nevada, Reno, Nevada. I always get yelled at. So I always say Me Nevada. too. Me too. It's, I've had to go to Nevada, and I was insistent on keeping it Nevada until yeah. I had to do professional sporting events where it's Nevada, and I got yelled at for it. Yeah, I had no idea. Whole life saying Nevada. But yeah, I did a show at that school, and there was a bunch of uh, kids after, students at lined up, get a picture and stuff. It was really cool. But I remember this girl's coming up and being, look, I have a Remo Sriracha sticker on her like water bottle. And I was like, where'd you get that? And she was like, they sell it at like that, that main like uh, tourist shop right under the sign. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting any money from that. Just says Remo Sriracha. So you never, yeah, obviously you never, you never thought it would catch on. I mean, this is kind of a organic know. thing. I mean, yeah, the Reno, I think the Reno video was my, I think it was my third video I did. I ended up doing like 30 or so. And of all of them, it got the most views. I think, I think Reno people are just like proud of their town. It got shared around so much within the city and people just ended up really liking it. But uh, yeah, it got like a, a few million views and now I'm going to, you know, Aces games and throwing out first pitches and stuff and doing shows at the school. And it's like my, my second home. Hey, we would have been happy to have you on Saturday where I'm sure we'll, we'll figure out a way once this is all, all blown over to get you there. Yeah. Um, I'm fascinated by your, your, you might laugh, but your creative process, uh, you know, I know a lot of, of comedians and you seem like the type that, that, that really can just shoot from the hip and improvise. Is there a creative process to what you do? If so, what does that look like? And if not, 
Uh, how do you spit these things out? Yeah, well, for the, for the videos, the tourist videos, that was a lot of uh, what I would do before I would go out on the town. And the, the Reno one, I remember I was, I think I was in town, I was opening for uh, Dimitri Martin at the Silver Legacy. Yeah. Is that a place? Yeah, you and, and me, uh, let's legacy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get the jingle in there. And so I, during the day, I went out and made the video, but I remember I would always Google, I would wake up in the morning and I would Google like things to do in whatever city it was. And I was Googling things to do in Reno. That's how I found the art park and uh, stuff like that and the river. And just, I, would just, I would kind of map it out and write on a little post-it or whatever, places to go in what order. So I'd walk around the town and sometimes I would see things like that big clown that sings to you on Christmas <laughs> and uh, the, the big ball of juice and stuff like that. Just walking around the city. It's a cool thing about Reno. It's a lot of like, like compact stuff. You just walk yeah. around. Yeah, know, there's like, a lot of visual stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. It's very, proximity. very visual town. Yeah, then I will just walk around. And I knew I had to hit the, the big points. Those videos all had like uh, kind of catchphrases and things I would always do. I would say, you know, dinosaur. I had to find something that looked like a dinosaur and I had to find something that you know, I'd have to say a certain amount of catchphrases. So I'd have to go through and make sure I said all the main catchphrases. And uh, that got me, that's going to ruin my life, I think, those catchphrases. <laughs> no matter what I post online, people are always commenting what the catchphrases, even if it's a completely different video. But it's cool. I mean, you know, it's cool to make some sort of a, an impact in the dumbest way possible. It's not going to ruin your life. It's cool to be known for something, even if it's, even if it's something weird like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, how did you get into the stadium when you made it? Just out of curiosity, you see, you know, in the video you say I, I snuck into the stadium, but did you ask to get in, or did you really no, sneak I went, in? I went into the gift shop through the main the main door of the gift shop, and then I went out. I think I bought something. Oh, I bought like a, a baseball, a Reno Aces baseball, and I walked out the other door thinking that was the exit, and uh, you were supposed to go out the same door I came in. But then I came out and I was just around the, the fence, which was closed because uh, it wasn't during baseball season. And I just walked in and I was like, no one was looking. So I was like, I might as well film this a little bit. And it ended up uh, turning into this whole thing. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Uh, wh when, would, when did you catch your first big break? Well, first of all, when did you know you wanted to do this for a living? I, I'm always fascinated by the answer to that question, no matter who you ask, because I think up until now, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do, even though I'm doing something. Uh, yeah. This is kind of what I wanted to do for a little bit when I was in college. Never thought it would happen. But when did you know you wanted to do this? Uh, Stand-up started uh, in college. I, I remember I wanted to act, I think, since high school. Um, I, I majored in theater. And, uh, and in college, I remember watching, it's, you know, it, it didn't age well, but I remember watching Dane Cook's Vicious Circle. Now everybody thinks Dane Cook is super lame. Yep. But I think back, back when he was peak popularity, he was just like my hero. Yeah. I, I saw him at Faneuil Hall, at a little comedy club at Faneuil Hall. And it was oh, like... The, uh, Dicks, was, Dicks, whatever it was called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think that's it. And he came in like, I mean, you've, you've been to that comedy club. It's tiny. Yeah. And he came in like a ball of fire. Like, and it was, it was an energetic yeah. show in a, in a cramped space. But yeah, yeah. Go, go, go ahead. Yeah, he was, yeah, that's what it was. I remember they, they showed him like before he went out on stage and the crowd was chanting his name. I think it was like Madison Square Garden or something. And he was just getting all pumped backstage. And I remember seeing that and the, for the first time thinking stand-up was like really cool. It's almost like kind of like being an athlete, getting pumped up. And I, I never thought of stand-up in that way. And I was like, man, stand-up is really cool. I kind of want to try stand-up. And I signed up for a, uh, a competition in Providence. I was just like where I'm from, kind of Providence area. And they had a club out there. So I signed up for this competition and it was three rounds. And I made it all the way to the finals just because 
so many friends and family would come and they would laugh at me, even though I, I was terrible. <laughs> so I made it through the finals and I thought I was really good at comedy, but I was just bringing people to my shows. Uh, but then, yeah, that kind of gave me the confidence to keep going. And then I uh, moved out to LA 10 years ago and started doing open mics and, you know, doing shows and stuff like that. And I met a couple of guys, we started a sketch group and then that's how I kind of get into sketch stuff and making videos to kind of try to build my name a little bit. And that's an all kind of, snowball from there so now i would like to act i think that's my number one thing i would like to do but i do enjoy doing dumb little sketches whenever i can and doing some stand-up on the road yeah you're an actor and you also you also write and uh you said you're writing a pilot right before we came on you said you're working on a, a pilot yeah i mean it's a lot of just just trying to pass the time in this quarantine i'm writing a very stupid pilot i've written a bunch of real dumb ones that i haven't gotten anywhere but now it seems like the time to really focus on something come out of here with at least got, getting something done just keep throwing stuff at the wall, man. Something's exactly, going to yeah. stick. What uh, so what was, the, what was the break that got you off of, is it Hal, off of Hal's floor <laughs> in L.A.? Yeah. Yeah, I was living with Hal for a solid year. And then but just saving up money, I would work these, uh, like, office jobs. I was working as a temp. Uh, like, I was working at Ticketmaster for a while and Live Nation and just making, like, 10 or 12 bucks an hour. And I just saved up, and I was able to move into my own room with guys my age, uh, in an apartment that was it was only like $50 a month more than living with Hal. I was like, God, what am I, I should have been doing this the whole time. Um, yeah, but then uh, from there, I moved into my own place like five, six years ago, and I've been on my own ever since, just supporting myself. Luckily, I've been able to do just acting and stand-up for the past couple of years. So yeah, I'm living, living the dream, I guess. Uh, one of my favorite new shows I've discovered in quarantine is Dave on, on FXX. Yeah. I've not gotten, you're, you're in one of the episodes, right? Yeah, episode I think five. I've not gotten. I'm I'm on episode three, but it's hilarious. Like I I can't That's wait great. to actually tonight. I'm gonna I'm gonna binge and probably watch through your episode for sure. But cool. uh, re really cool show. I just wanted to give it a mention. Yeah, man, it's uh it is it's going really well. I uh, my one of my my closest uh, girlfriend is the the girl that plays his girlfriend on the show, and she's fantastic. And tonight I think it's her big episode where she has her big kind of uh, character whatever. And uh, her boyfriend in real life, this guy, Tony Ascenda, who directed American Vandal, he directed a bunch of episodes, including the one that I'm in. But yeah, I was, I was a huge Little Dicky fan well before I ever did the show and met, you know, met his friends and stuff like that. And uh, to get to do that show was really cool and act with him. It was like, I look up to him a lot. Mm -hmm. But I did not know uh, if he was going to be a good actor. Because I know he's a great rapper and he's super funny, but I've never seen him like really act in a long form thing. And he's so good. And he just kind of stresses me out how good he is. Like, man, if that's how talented you have to be to, <laughs> to make it. Like, man, you got to really just, you got to know what you're doing. But he's amazing. And it was like, I think it's the first show I've ever been on that I can say I'm like a huge fan of. Sure. Um, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. If, uh, so Lil Dicky is a, is a rapper and it's kind of a self-deprecating name that he, he gives himself. That's, the, mm -hmm. you know, his name, his rap name. But uh, Dave is the show, the end of episode one, he spits out this rap that is just, it's crazy. I mean, you've obviously seen him do it in person. What's it like to, to watch that creative process if you want to talk about creative processes? Yeah, he's, he's, he's wild. I mean, people don't really give him enough credit because they think he's just like a, a parody or like, a, I mean, that, the character that I play, well, I'm, I'm only on the show for like 15 seconds, but I play this guy that knows him from, uh, he makes a meme to try to go viral and just get more views, which hit a little close to home for me because I'm mostly known for that like tourist guy. Sure. I only did for like a little while. 
But I come up to him and I'm all excited and I'm like, oh man, I, I, what are you doing here? And he goes, I'm a rapper. I was like, you're a rapper? I thought you were, I thought you were a meme. And he was like, no, I'm a real person. So I just kind of did hit kind of close to home, but he's such a talented rapper. He's as talented of a rapper as he is a comedian and as he is as, I'm realizing now as an actor. He's mm-hmm. like a 10 out of 10 of so many things. That just blows my mind. So I don't know what his like creative process is, but I think he's one of our generation's geniuses. I yeah. think he might really be. I would second that. Yeah. Uh, when, when did you first start to get noticed when you got out to LA or did it, was it just a matter of grinding and grinding until you, you met enough people? Yeah, I mean, I came out here, I was hitting the open mics really hard, doing stand-up, and uh, I mean, I was obsessed when I first moved to LA. I was doing like over 20 a week open mics just because I was just weirdly obsessed with it. I didn't want anyone to outwork me, you know. So hold on, 30-second time. Were you like John Favreau's character in Swingers? Have you seen the movie Swingers? I, yeah, it was. Okay. Maybe without too. like the depressing, like, <laughs> broke up with me and I'm doing these sad open mics, but like, was that a little bit like you, an East Coast transplant, just really obsessed with making it? Yeah, especially when you, I first moved, I didn't really have a lot of friends that, you know, no, no one to really hang out with outside of just doing open mics. So I was just doing open mics constantly, you know, work, you know, a full-time job. And then after work, I would start hitting the open mics. And I remember I won, and I, and I used to count them and I had a little like planner and I would count how many I did so I could just kind of push myself. And I remember I did like over 800. Wow. One, I think my first year was like 2011. And looking back now, that's awful that's insane you don't have to do that many if anyone's looking to start doing stand-up you don't have to do that many uh that was unhealthy get out make some friends have a life mm-hmm. uh but yeah i was hitting the open mics hard and then i was i started the sketch group uh, with a couple other comedians that i met out here we started a sketch group called dead kevin and we started putting out one sketch a week and we built a little bit of a following and it was you know cool to that was kind of my first foray into seeing how youtube and online stuff can really help you know elevate people in a way that no matter how hard you work at stand-up it can only push you so far you got to kind of get online and do other stuff so that kind of snowballed and got me a little bit of name recognition and things kind of you know we got managers and agents and I got a couple of little acting things and yeah things just kind of start to build and I don't know if it was any particular one big break but I think the thing that probably changed everything the most was starting that sketch group with, with those two guys that's awesome man well I'm now as a fellow a fellow massachusetts native uh i think i could say mass hole on the podcast we're not we're not really (laughs) that's not a bad but that's i mean that's who we are that's how we're kind of known but as a fellow mass hole uh i am going to follow your career uh very closely man and i'm I'm actually really looking forward to meeting you now especially um uh you too the uh the, the thing that troubles me though, you're so alone. Have you thought about getting like a cat or something to get through quarantine? Like, God, you- I would love a cat. There's no, there's no pets allowed in my, uh, in uh, my apartment building. I volunteer uh, at this pet shelter just to get some contact in my life. <laughs> well, God, I would definitely get a cat. I do want to get a dog, big dog, big, cool dog. Yeah, I have, I have two. I was an apartment guy for, I mean, until I, my now wife finally forced me to move out in in like 2014 i lived in the same place for like nine years and she was like we're we're moving on and like if you want to marry me like you're getting out of here but when we did we were finally able to get two dogs and they're they're big dogs man and they're they're great to have especially now we got two cats too so yeah that must help a lot just having something to something else alive to look at i was been staring at my plants See if I can catch them growing. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. I, I've enjoyed watching your, uh, your quarantine videos. So just keep doing that. 
and we'll all benefit, yeah. we'll all benefit from your solitude in some way. <laughs> yes, cranking out content, trying to stay sane somehow. Ryan, thanks, man, and I uh, look forward to meeting you down the road. All right, thanks for having me. That's Ryan O'Flanagan. We are back for more Aces Loaded podcast after this. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel, and a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Great pod today here on Aces Loaded. Thanks so much to Jeff and Sheila Wood and to Ryan O'Flanagan. A lot of fun to, to talk with everybody. Uh, here with the Vince Rufino. And look, with Jeff and Sheila, how can you not be inspired? You know, you, you ask yourself what you could do in certain moments to, to help, even in a time where you can't be hands-on in a literal sense with getting out there and helping. But here we are, and we have people like Jeff and Sheila who have figured out a way with Eric Edelstein's help to get this done and not only make masks, but raise money. I mean, that's a double, double like right there. Yeah, I, I think they're just a, a, another great example or a great um, example for us to show what this community is capable of when we're called upon during difficult times or when we need each other. Um, and, you know, it's a testament to, uh, you know, our fans too, just being willing to take up the, the mantle. You know, Eric had the idea and was looking for somebody and uh, they stepped up and said, hey, we could do it. Um, you know, Jeff, Jeff kind of alludes to it in the, in the, in the, uh, interview that he hasn't he doesn't really know what he's doing he's just cutting up jerseys for his wife who's selling them and making sure that everything works for him but that's what he can do and if that's what he could do to help then great and what what can we do to be a part of that well we could put the put the information out there we can have the infrastructure to sell them collect the money and then donate it directly back to the healthcare uh, system in a quick in a quick manner so that's what we can do to help and then we ask our fans um, to purchase them and then two to three hours later they're all out and um, we've all done our, we've at least done a small part in this. Um, we can't go outside. Um, there's nothing we can do to, to cure it at the moment. So um, there's little victories that we have to take out along the way. And I think, um, you know, James and Sheila are just an incredible example of that. Can't wait to have them in the booth, by the way, once we get going, like I'm absolutely inviting them up and you'll be able to hear their, their story and they can tell their story again uh, in the, in the middle of an aces game at, God, that sounds nice, doesn't it? To like even entertain the thought of an Aces game. Yeah, I mean, listening to them talk about how, you know, it's not just the baseball about the going to the stadium. It's about, you know, the interactions and the, the experience and the, the smiling faces. Uh, the same thing that they say, we say on the front office side. It's the fans that walk through the turnstiles that smile with us. It's the hugs I give to some season ticket holders before the first pitch because I, saw, I just saw them for the fifth straight day. And we know each other. We talk and pass their opinions on things and they give me their, their honest feedback. And um, that's what we miss the most. Like that's what makes the job worth it. And so, uh, you know, all the stuff to bring us together and, and give us a common goal right now, um, whatever that is, I'm here for it. And I think our organization's here for it and the community shown that they're here there for it. So, uh, we just need to keep finding and pushing to find what the challenges are, uh, and using our incredible skills to, to help try to solve them. I will second that. Uh, Ryan O'Flanagan was great. Hope you enjoyed hearing him. I think what a relatable guy, you know, yeah. he's starting to do these, these bigger things. And, and I think in, in delving into his story, especially for me, 
I drove cross country from Massachusetts, just like him to start a career and to hopefully make it. Um, you know, for me, it really resonated. And uh, I mean, a fun, fun guy. And, and hopefully you enjoyed having him on the pod. And I know you're excited to have him to Reno as soon as we possibly can to have Remo Sriracha night. I'm looking forward to that one. Now. He's an awesome guy. I got to know him a little bit last year on opening day when he was here and uh, driving around to some different media that he was doing for us. Um, got to know him, like I said, a little, a little bit. And uh, he's a phenomenal guy, a very genuine person and hilarious. So um, I, we're, we're hoping that his star continues to rise and um, we'd love to be as much of a part of it as we can. Or uh, We're already a little bit part of his story with the, with the, the video on YouTube, um, but uh, whatever we can do to help him, he's already you know, doing great things. So um, awesome, awesome uh, to have him on. We can't thank him enough for coming on. And I'm sure we'll have him back at some point. Oh, yeah. That's a bad safe. There's, there's, more, there's more to unpeel there, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a fact. Uh, we, uh, we have two more items before we go. You can still get your Aces gear, renoaces.com, your BLC gear, BLC gear. Speaking of being from Massachusetts, that's tough for a kid from Massachusetts. But your BLC gear. Uh, you can still get your BLC gear, uh, renoaces.com, and anything else you want. Uh, we're still shipping that out. And then, shipping on orders uh, $50 or over has been extended through the next month. Um, so um, for the end of April through, through the start of May, uh, if you – purchase $50 or more, you automatically qualify for free shipping. And we're going to be rolling out some other deals that will piggyback off of that deal. Um, so keep your eyes on our newsletter, our social media. Um, if you're looking to gear up, now is going to be the time to do it with some great prices. And Vince, I will defer to you on this. If people want to help and help the aces, help the community, just like Jeff and Sheila did, <clears throat> excuse me, can you direct them to a place where they can connect to the organization to, to be a helper in, in this? Absolutely. So if you're looking to sell masks or you have the capability or donations or whatever the case may be, if you're looking to get in touch with us, uh, visit renoaces.com. Um, if you click the club information tab, it sends you to uh, a page that kind of lists out all of the options that we have. I suggest clicking on our contact us, which has our front office. Um, it has our phone numbers, our email addresses. So um, uh, if it's a marketing related thing or if it's uh, whoever you want to get in contact with, your, we're accessible to you. Um, so that's where I would direct people. Um, reach out to us, send the email to a few people um, so we can get some eyes on it. And then we'll try to, to help. Um, Cause like I said, we can't come up with everything. Uh, you know, we can't find every problem or we don't know every problem that's happening right now. So until it's brought to our attention and then we could try to do something about it to help. All right. Great show, buddy. <laughs> Thanks man. It's been great so far. Three episodes in, I can't wait to keep going. Let's do that for Vince Rafino. I am Zach Bayrudi. We will see you next week on aces loaded. So long everybody.